0: Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old-Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old-time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit ComicWeb.com for more information, or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week our podcast features an episode of Jack Benny called Columbus Day. It's also Indigenous Peoples Day on Monday, but let's just say that most old-time radio isn't very progressive on their portrayals of indigenous peoples, so happy Columbus Day, everyone. This episode first aired on October 12,
1: 1941.
2: J-E-L-L-O. The Jell O program, brought to you by Jell O and Jell O Pudding, coming to you from New York City, starring Jack Benny, with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. The orchestra opens the program with What Do We Do? <laughs> better. Yes, sir. Jell-O's been getting better and better all the time, year after year. And now, Jell-O comes forward with its most revolutionary improvement of all, Locked In Flavor, a new exclusive process for bringing you every last luscious bit of Jell-O's glorious goodness. Up until now, gelatin desserts constantly faded in flavor while waiting to be used. But today, Jell-O's rich, mouth-watering flavor is locked in. And no matter how long your package of Jell-O takes to reach you, time just can't steal away its flavor. Prove it for yourself. Open a package of Jell-O. There's no heavy, fruity aroma, no sign of escaping flavor. But the instant you dissolve Jell-O, what a rush of rich, marvelous flavor comes pouring out, and my how you enjoy it. Try Jell-O tomorrow. Feast your eyes on its bright scintillating colors. Thrill to Jell-O's full, never-fading, locked-in flavor. You say Jell-O really is different. Because the flavor never goes away. We put it in and it's there to stay. played by the orchestra. Ladies and gentlemen, exactly 449 years ago today, Christopher Columbus first set foot in the New World after a perilous ocean voyage of 40 days and 40 nights. Boy, what a trip. I wish I'd have been there. For weeks and weeks, Columbus and his band of intrepid adventurers were tossed around in the storm turned Atlantic, little knowing that they'd come through alive. Reef that means so. We'll make it, fellas. Well, now we bring you a man who gets seasick when the crackers bob about in his oyster stew, Jack Benny. Thank you, thank you. Hello again, this is Jack Benny talking. And Don, that was a very funny introduction you thought of. You sure love to kid your old boss, don't you? Yes, I do, Jack. And you're my idea of a real sport. Well. I make those cracks about you because you're so big, you're broad-minded. You're the kind of a guy that can take it. <laughs> a good old Donsey. By the way, I believe you were born in Denver, Colorado, weren't you, Don? Why, yes, Jack. In fact, I spend my summers there. Your summers, eh? Uh-huh. Well, unless you keep a civil tongue in your big, fat head, snow will be hitting you in the face.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but after all, we've been together too long to put it over time. It me,
2: um, have you heard any... Um... Oh, hello, Mary. Hello,
3: Jack. How are you?
2: Fine, thanks. Now... Are you
3: kidding?
2: <laughs> Don, have you, um, have you ha- heard any reports on our opening program last Sunday? You know, comments, reactions, and so forth? Why, yes, Jack. Some people seem to like it very, very much. Uh-huh. Some people thought it was fairly good. Uh-huh. And some people... Well, yes, sir.
1: <laughs>
2: well, Don, I thought the press was exceptionally nice this year. For instance, uh, PM gave us a lovely notice. In fact, you could almost call it a written. Yep, P.M. said our opening program was really a humdinger. Very nice, don't you think? Oh, wonderful. And Radio Guide liked it, and Billboard, the theatrical paper, seemed to think we had a hilarious show. Tell them about the
1: daily news.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Mary, it just so happens that Ben Gross, radio editor of the news, didn't like the program, and he's entitled to his opinion. I have no hard feelings toward Ben.
3: You haven't, eh? No. And why did you try to get Errol Flynn to beat him up?
1: <laughs>
2: I didn't even know Flynn was in town. Anyway, most of the notices were very favorable.
3: Uh, did you read the one you got in the Daily Worker?
2: Yes, I. I read the Daily Worker.
3: What's it say, Mary? Same thing every year. Down with Benny. <laughs> Yeah, but you
2: talk about write-ups. Get a load of this rave in the Waukegan News Sun. Benny wows him again. Here, Mary, read it yourself. Okay. Well, naturally, Jack, your hometown paper would be 100% in your favor. I don't know about that. They're pretty critical, you know.
3: <laughs> Say, Jack. What? Look at this news item on the other side of your write-up.
2: Where? I didn't see it.
3: It says, uh, Boo Boo Benny, cousin of Waukegan's own Jack Benny, was picked up again last night for tossing his body too far away from the curb. <laughs> What? Uh, when interviewed, Boo-Boo said, I don't want to set the world on fire, I just want a bromo. <laughs> Give
2: me that clipping. Uh, the Boo-Boo is always getting into those publicity stunts. Anyway, Don, the uh, consensus seems to be... Hiya, Jackson. Like the horsewoman says, what do you hear from the mop? What? <laughs> M.O.P. I got the gag. You don't have to spell it. I got it. Say, Phil, uh, we were talking about the first program last week. Did you see any reviews on it? Yeah, there was a swell write-up in the orchestra world. Oh, the musicians' paper, eh? What did it say? It said, uh, due to the length of the dialogue on Benny's first program, Phil Harris had to cut out his usual band number. Oh, they missed it, eh? No, they liked the idea. (laughs) Oh, well, don't feel bad about it, Phil. It's only one opinion. And that reminds me, Jackson... I hate to bring it up, but Alice thinks that this program is a little too corny for a guy like me. (laughs) What? He feels that I ought to be on a high-classer show. Uh, high-classer? Yeah, Alice says I ought to be on information, please. Oh, she does. Well, Phil, Alice is a dear, sweet girl, and I respect her opinion. But if you were ever on information, please, and you were asked who was the first president of the United States, and you said George Washington, Clifton Fadiman would drop (laughs) dead. And I might also add that at present, Mr. Fadiman is in perfect health. Luca wants to be on information, please.
3: Why, Phil, well, even Jack would be afraid to go on that program.
2: Absolutely.
3: And he has a remarkable memory. Sir, can I read
2: something? i never forget it.
3: Especially that write-up in the daily news. <laughs>
2: Quiet, will you? You're going to keep talking about... Oh, hello, Dennis. Hello, Mr. Benny. How are you? Fine, fine, thanks. Say, Mr. Benny, did you see the write-up your opening program got in the Brooklyn Eagle? The Brooklyn Eagle? No, what did it say? It said what happened to you and the Dodgers shouldn't happen to a dog. <laughs> I guess they're still a little blue over the series, you know. You're... Anyway, Dennis, I heard a lot of nice things about your song last week, so now that you're here, let's have another one. Okay. I'm going to sing a very popular number called Time Was. Good, good. And this being Columbus Day, I dedicate it to my new girl I met last night. What's the connection? I picked her up at Columbus Circle.
1: <laughs> oh,
2: how are things around her? I must faunt her by. Um, go ahead and sing, Dennis. Hold it. Come in. Mr. Benny? Yes. May I congratulate you on this, the, your opening broadcast of the new season? Opening broadcast? Look, Bob, we had a show last Sunday. Good heavens, are you going to count that one?
1: <laughs> Get out of here!
2: <laughs> what a guy. His head looks like the ball Mickey Owen
1: dropped.
2: <laughs> Go ahead, then.
4: Have a world of memory, you and I, a kind you cherish more and more, as the years go by. I find one, when we had fun on the schoolyard swing, when we came straight away. One lovely yesterday Time was When we wrote love letters In for our coffee and Reading the time away Picnics and hayrides And midwinter sleigh rides And never apart I've been country and there's more than one free which I've a place in your heart.
2: Uh, was Time Was, sung by Dennis Day, my favorite tenor. And now, ladies and gentlemen... Hey, Mr. Benny. What is it, Dennis? You know, I saw Charlie's aunt this summer, and somebody just told me that pretty lady in it was you. Oh, well, it it was me. It was me. It was my character in the picture. And now, ladies and gentlemen... Holy smoke! You know, I thought it was a real girl. Uh, No, 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 Dennis, it was me.
1: (laughs) And... um, (laughs) And now,
2: ladies and gentlemen... I sent you a love letter. Forget about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, now,
2: wait a minute, jerk. Dennis.
1: What Dennis, the fact...
2: Look, the fact that I was wearing a dress shouldn't have fooled you that much. After all, a woman doesn't walk like me.
3: Very few men
2: walk like this. Is that so? Speaking of the way you walk, Jackson, have you seen them penguins over in Radio City? (laughs) Yes, I've seen them penguins. Me wants to be on information, please. All right, then. Jefferson was the first president. (laughs) Oh, for Pete's sake, Phil. Washington was the first president. I merely said if you knew that, Fatiman couldn't stand the shock. All right, Don. Fatterman couldn't stand the shock. Oh Jack, it's so obvious. Don, I know what's clever. Now go ahead. Fatterman. Oh, if I'd only saved my money. Don! Fatterman. Oh very well. An important message. Ladies, whether your husband is a fatter man or a thinner man, he will always enjoy a dish of jello. There you are, See? Jello, America's favorite gelatin dessert is not only economical and easy to make, But it has that new locked-in flavor. Locked-in? By means of a new exclusive process, all of Jell-O's full original goodness is now locked-in for Keith. Is that what makes the taste so good? (laughs) So remember, folks, the flavor never goes away. We We put put it it in in and and there 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 to stay. And poetry, too. Very good, Don. (laughs) Very good. Very good. (laughs) You see, I was right. It's not corny at all. It's terrific. And now, ladies and gentlemen... Hey, Mr. Benny, in that fan letter I sent you, I enclosed 25 cents for a photo. Uh, Later, kid. Not now. Well, gee whiz. I haven't got one in a bathing suit. Now, leave me alone. (laughs) How he can do any good at Columbus Circle, I don't know. (laughs) Really, I don't. (laughs) And now... And now, folks... I, uh, we're having fun tonight, huh? I, uh, I'd like to announce that beginning next Sunday, October 19th, our broadcast will come to you from Hollywood, California, as we're returning home. Well, we sure had fun in New York, didn't we, fellas? Huh? Yes, it's been grand, Jack. The little woman and I saw
3: nearly every show in town. I saw three swell ones. Panama Hattie and Claudia and the Wookiee.
2: Wait a minute. What about the one I took you to?
3: Oh, yes. Arsenic took me to see Old Lake. <laughs> Look,
2: Mary, you don't have to be so bitter. Those were the best seats I could get.
3: Oh, stop, will you?
2: I'm not kidding. I got them from the producers of the show, Lindsay and Krauss. They had dinner at my house one night.
3: Well, they're even with you now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, for heaven. Don't be silly. What if we what, what? if we were sitting up high? Who could see you? You were wearing a veil.
3: Veil, nothing. I got caught I got caught in some cobwebs.
2: <laughs> you got caught in that gag, too, right? <laughs> You know, if you read that gag right, it's a good laugh. Really, it (laughs) is. Huh? What? It's only our second show, you know. uh, Well, anyway, Mary, next time... (laughs) Next time, you can go alone. Say, Jackson, Alice and I saw lady in the dark the other night, and we thought it was great. Oh, did you like it? Yeah, she explained the whole plot to me. (laughs) Well, get this situation. Now, Gertrude Lawrence plays the part of a dame who's all mixed up about everything, and she don't know what's the matter with her. Uh Uh-huh. So she goes to see a psychiatrist. (laughs)
1: Psychiatrist?
2: That's a psychiatrist. Psychiatrist is a Japanese dish.
1: That's sukiyaki. Oh. Oh, yeah.
2: Well, I was right about Washington. That I know. Anyway... She finally gets the right guy, they fall in love, the curtain goes down, Alice put on her shoes, and we went home.
1: <laughs> well, that's a
2: vivid description. You know, Phil, the next time you go to a show... Pardon me. Uh, come in? Yes? Uh, excuse me sir and tune, Mr. Benny, but I got a note for you.
1: <laughs>
2: uh, I'm, uh, sorry I'm busy right now. Come back later. Uh, I would advise you to take a quick jam this discommunicate. <laughs> All right, what's the note? What does it say? Now, I'm only a carrier pigeon. We ain't much on reading. reason. <laughs> oh. Okay, let's have it.
3: Uh, who's it from, Jack?
2: Who do you think it's from? Rochester. Listen to this. Dear boy. Please give bearer, Mr. Columbus Smith. Columbus? Yes, that's me.
1: <laughs> oh.
3: Happy anniversary.
2: Mary. Let me read this note from Rochester. Please give bearer $50, which you owe me, as I owe it to a group of gentlemen who ain't and being sorely pressed for payment. Well, of all the nerve. I don't care if he is pressed. Mr. Bennett, if you don't come through, that bar's gonna be cleaned and pressed. <laughs> oh, well, look, Columbus, you tell Rochester I'll call him when I get home tonight. Uh, what's his number? Monument 21700. <laughs> monument, eh? Yeah, and do call lest one be erected to his memory. <laughs> Okay, I'll call him. Yeah, thank you. Goodbye, Mr. Ben. Goodbye. Imagine rockets are sending for $50. <laughs> Play something, Phil. He got into this jam. Let him get out of it. <laughs> The World on Fire, played by Phil Harris and his orchestra, who haven't even got a match.
1: <laughs>
2: All right, I didn't like that gag either, I told you further. Say, <laughs> hey, Phil, I notice you're using a lot of New York musicians while we're in town. Now, uh, where'd you get them? I walked out of Lindy's with a sturgeon in my pocket, and they followed
1: me.
2: <laughs> uh, well, throw it to them, they look hungry. <laughs> now, fellas, as I told you before, we're leaving for California tomorrow, and I may not get to see you till train time. So I might as well give you your tickets right now. Oh Phil, here's accommodations for you and Alice, and Don, here's space for you and the little woman. Oh thanks, Jack. Oh goody, we get a lower going back.
1: <laughs> yes sir. Now Dennis, uh, Dennis,
2: you're uh, you're bunking with me as usual, and um... Gee whiz, Mister Benny, you snore. All right, I snore. It's only for three nights. You're young yet. <laughs> Now, Mary... If I'm going to stay up all night, I might as well be a playboy. All right, be a playboy. Let's drop her. Now, Mary...
3: I know, I'm going to sleep with Miss Whipple. That's right. Miss Whipple? Who's she? Jack yeah, put an ad in the paper for someone to share my birth.
2: <laughs> Never mind.
3: I meet more dying people that way.
2: Mary, let me run things, will you? You know, planning a trip like this is no sin.
3: I'll bet she's big and fat.
2: She's very slim. I asked for a picture. (laughs) Now, fellas, remember, we meet at the station a half hour before the train leaves, and I want you all to be there on time and no more complaints. Hey, Jackson, what's the idea of putting Alice and me in an upper berth? She's a big movie star. Phil, I'm in charge here, and you'll take what you get. Mr. Zanick won't like it. Not the Zanuck. (laughs) Now, fellas... Not to Xanax. What did I say? I've got to make pictures.
1: I've
2: got three more pictures to make there. What am I doing?
1: Oh, well. Now, remember,
2: fellas, everybody be at the station a half hour before the train leaves. I'm giving a cocktail party for Miss Whipple.
1: <laughs> Might
2: as well all get acquainted. Huh? So try to make the... Come in... Oh, it's you again. Uh, Mr. Benny, I just spoke to Rochester on the phone. He said it's imperative I bring him the $50. Now, wait a minute. Did you tell Rochester I'd call him later tonight? Yes, sir. And he said if you don't
1: call him now,
2: later tonight you'll have to communicate with him by Ouija boat. <laughs> Oh, he's making a mountain out of nothing. Rochester must think money goes on bushes.
3: Well, you owe it to him, don't you?
2: Mary, if you're referring to that bet I made on the Lewis-Nova fight, I have never conceded that Nova was knocked out. Well, Jack, Rochester would never have sent the note unless it was important. Now I think you ought to call him. Oh, all right. Mary, get me his hotel, will you? Monument 21700.
4: Okay.
2: Well, you've certainly gone to a lot of trouble here, Columbus. Are you a good friend of Rochester's? No, sir. I'm just a member of the syndicate which threw that fatal seven. <laughs>
1: Oh,
3: I, I see. <laughs>
2: yeah, goodbye, Mr. Benny. Goodbye. He just had to left Rochester home where he belonged. Here's your number, Jeff. Thanks. Hello? Good evening, Teresa Hotel. I'd like to talk to Rochester Van Jones. This is Mr. Benny calling. Oh, hello, Mr. Benny. Are you going to
1: pay him that 50? What? <laughs>
2: what business is of yours? We're stepping out tonight, and I had hope for a bottle and a bird.
1: <laughs>
2: I can't help that. Now, operator, will you please ring Rochester's room? Uh, yes, sir. Oh, by the way, Mr. Benny, has Rochester oh. got a girlfriend in California? Oh, for a, Yes, yes, yeah, he got four or five girls there. Is it four or five?
1: <laughs> What's the
2: difference? I'm going to carve him up and pass him around.
4: <laughs>
1: Operator,
2: will you please get Rochester? I want to talk to him.
4: Hey, yes, sir. I'll ring his suite.
2: Imagine living in a suite yet. <laughs> Call from Mr. Van Jones. Yeah, I am, sweet potato. Don't sweet potato me, short doc, and gonna be shorter. <laughs>
1: Operator.
2: Operator, get off the line. Oh! Oh, hello, boss. Did Columbus get there? Yes, he landed twice today. <laughs> I got your note, Rochester, and I'm not sending you any 50. But, boss, I ordered some gentlemen, one of whom is mechanized. <laughs> I don't care what he is. And another thing, Rochester. Why is it you have a great big suite here in New York while I live in one room? Well, I'm in so much trouble, I gotta face up and down. Oh, you do. Yeah. You better get a race track, son, because I'm gonna run you, operator. Will you please stop cutting in? Now, Rochester, you promised me you wouldn't shoot dice while we were here in New York, and yet you lost fifty dollars. Explain that. Well, boss, it just happened that I was down on one knee tying my shoe. Uh huh. And several of my lodge members got down on their knees to see what I was doing. Uh huh. And while we were all in that position,
4: I reared his ugly head. <laughs> Well, I'm
2: sorry for you, Rochester, but you'll have to take care of your own obligations. But, boss, all I want is the money you owe me on the Lewis-Nova fight. I told you before that, in my opinion, Lewis did not knock out Nova. Oh, reconsider. (laughs) Operator, please. Now, Rochester, I don't want to discuss this any further. The fight is over, so forget it. Wait a minute, boss, there's a gentleman here that's very much interested in me collecting that 50. Would you mind talking to him? Oh, all right. Put him on. Hello, Mr. Benny. This is Metropolitan M. Spears
1: talking.
2: Yes? Rochester tells me you questioned the outcome of the recent Lewis-Nova fight. I certainly do. The bet was that Lewis would win by a knockout. When the fight was over, Nova was on his feet. Yeah, but he wasn't going no place. Look, all I'm trying to say is Nova was not unconscious when the fight ended. Uh, Mr. Lewis thought he was. That's what he thinks, but I'd like to get Mr. Nova's opinion. Well, uh, when he comes to, let's check with him. Now listen, Metropolitan, you say Rochester owes you $50. That's right, and it was my understanding. Come back here, boy. I ain't got my hat on!
1: <laughs> well,
2: look, Metro, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll send you a check for Rochester's debt as soon as I am definitely convinced that's the result of the fight. Well, thank you very much. That's okay. I'd like awfully well to get it before inflation sets in. <laughs> You'll get it. Now, put Rochester on the phone. Yes, sir. Oh, Rochester, Mr. Bennett's going to take care of that 50. You want to make it a 100 or nothing? Rochester! <laughs> now, listen, Rochester, we're leaving for California tomorrow, and you haven't even started to pack my trunk yet. So you better meet me bright and early. Well, what time does the train leave, boss? You ain't going to be on Operator. Now, Rochester, I want you to stop at the tailor's and pick up my shirt. You said you wanted to marry oh. me, and you got five gals in California. They're just bribes me, honey. Rochester, pay attention. I'll stop at the tailor and tell him that all my cleaning must be ready by noon. And see that you don't miss the train. And here's another thing. The next time you're in New York and you bend over to tie your shoe, you better have something to back it up
1: with. Because I'm getting
4: tired. You're going to go out into an orchard and eat cherries right off the tree. Remember how good
2: they tasted? What a grand, tantalizing flavor they had. Well, you'll remember all over again, friends, the moment you taste red cherry mold. A luscious blend of rich crimson cherries and cherry jello. It's one of Jack Benny's own favorite treats and one of the easiest desserts to make you ever saw. Simply dissolve one package of jello imitation cherry flavor in hot water as you usually do. Chill it until slightly thickened and fold in two cups of the cherries themselves. Then finish chilling it and serve with a garnishing of orange sections and mint. You'll never taste it a more attractive, more delicious dessert. Ask your grocer for a can of ripe, juicy cherries and a package of cherry jello tomorrow. And be sure you say jello, because only jello's new process of locked in flavor gives you all the flavor, always. We're a little late, folks. Good night, Johnny. Friends, every time you say jello to your grocer, say jello puddings, too. Try Jell-O vanilla pudding. Here's vanilla pudding with that real old-fashioned flavor. A smooth, rich pudding that's gloriously creamy. And not only grand as a pudding, but ideal for making cream pies, tarts, and cakes with cream fillings. Not even grandma could make a pudding that tastes more homemade. And your first creamy spoonful of this swell dessert will win you at once with its delicate, mellow goodness. So tomorrow, when you order Jell-O, ask for Jell-O pudding. Chocolate, vanilla, and butterscotch. This is the National Broadcasting Company.
0: The Jack Benny Show is the king of old-time radio. This half-hour variety show first aired in 1932 and lasted until 1955, and in reruns until 1958. The show featured the best long-running gags possibly in all of show business. That just got funnier each time Benny told them. Other than Benny's age, always being 39, another running gag was how awful Jack played the violin, or how cheap he was, or how vain, etc., etc. Benny actually did get his show business start with his lowly violin. He traveled as part of vaudeville shows, doing small towns, but he told no jokes, just played music. He enlisted during World War I, he did a gig with a violin to entertain at a function, and completely bombed. So he put the violin away and started telling jokes. This lasted until 1974. And that was the start of the violin bit on his show. After World War I, Benny returned to vaudeville, and he really hit his groove, comedy with a bit of violin thrown in. He rose up to better and better venues. Jack saw radios being the next big thing, and he left his fairly lucrative vaudeville act when NBC and Canada Dry offered him a show in 1932. The show moved to CBS, back to NBC, and found its time slot at 7 p.m. Sunday nights in 1934, and there it lasted for over 20 years. The basic format of the show was pretty simple. Jack Benny would be the host, tell some jokes, introduce some musical acts, have a comedy sketch, more music, and a dramatic reading involving a few cast members. He would introduce different characters to either help deliver his punchlines or as actors in the dramatic plays. The dramatic reading would either be a really dramatic piece, horribly butchered for comedy, or just a comedy st- sketch. The Jack Benny show featured a great range of side characters, all playing off of Jack and each other. Benny's wife, Sadie Marks, played the role of Mary Livingston on the show. The African-American comic, Eddie Anderson, played the character Rochester. Originally, Rochester was supposed to be a one-shot appearance, but he worked so well and the audience just loved him, he became a regular. Many others came in and out during the show's long run. A lot of the success of the show can be attributed to how Jack ran the show. He would search around for the right people going through different band leaders and musicians or actors until he found someone who fit the mood he was trying to create. Then he would let them develop their own time and own their own time. He would often play the straight man to let others get the big laughs or become a peripheral character to share the spotlight. He would let others have a great running gag or tagline. He gave his writers and and cast good salaries and often did charity performances. And he was vain, yet somehow in a self-deprecating manner. He seemed to know that it was all a joke, but that the audience was in on the joke. The show gets better the more you listen to it. Jack Benny was the master of comedic timing and the running gag. Each time he pokes fun at how cheap he is, it just gets funnier. And you know it's coming, and you wait for it, wait for it, and then each time Benny delivers. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.